My jungle will lure you in, with paths that are deceptively apparent and secrets that will never be uncovered. Silver starlight may show you the way, shape-shifting shadows will lead you astray. So open your eyes, I shall show you a world etched deep in my mind and free from your kind. Only the greatest explorers of the unknown, those who are willing to lose themselves can unravel the enigma. For the essence of the jungle lies not in being found, but in getting lost. Welcome to Thorn's Jungle. How's it going, everyone? Oh, sorry, I just had a bubble in my throat. You know when you drink like soft drink, you get that bubble and you'll start talking a bit like this. Um, hope everyone had a awesome New Year's and holiday season. Uh... I love Christmas because uh, we get really warm weather in Australia during Christmas. It falls on our summer. So, you know, we can go down to the beach. Uh, We go to my parents' house and hang out with the family, go swimming in the pool. My dad normally has the heater on for some reason, even though it's 100 degrees Fahrenheit or 38 degrees Celsius outside. So it's actually hotter in the pool than it is out the pool, but this year he uh, didn't turn it on, so it was tolerable. wasn't like a big bath. But yeah, I had a few cocktails. Um, New Year's Eve, I hate New Year's Eve. There's always this massive obligation and pressure for you to do something on New Year's Eve, uh, even though I've never had a good one. You go out to the city, you go out to a bar or something, it's always packed. You need tickets for bars. Uh, Taxis are like three times the price, and that's if you can even get one. Same with like Uber. So this year we just took the dogs to the park uh, with a few bottles of wine and some snacks, and we had to call it short, cut it short, whatever it is, (laughs) Uh, because the dogs were being little assholes. Um, I've got a Pomeranian and a Japanese spit, so they're just like little balls of fluff. And they're just being idiots, so we had to just call it quits and come home. Just had a few drinks around the house, and that's perfect for me. I don't really like going out anymore or anything like that, so that was a good, tame New Year's Eve. But I hope everyone else had a good one, whatever you guys were doing. Uh... And yeah, had a little bit of a break over the holiday season. It's just busy, you know, it's just too much going on, so I didn't really have time to sit down and get an episode out. Um, But now it's over, we're all good, all good to go. And this episode's going back to a cryptozoological uh, subject. And this is, when you think of cryptozoology, probably the first thing that will come into your mind is either Bigfoot, or the Loch Ness Monster. For me, it's the Loch Ness Monster because I've been aware of old Nessie for a long time. A long, long time. Uh, my most cherished possession I own in life is this ring I got when I was oh, four or five years old. Um, I was at the movies with my grandparents and there was a time zone, like an arcade place next door. And my grandparents and my brother and I were 
there before we went to the movie and I won this ring out of a uh, one of those machines and it's like a metal ring with a little metal Loch Ness Monster sort of silhouette uh, on the outside of it and I've had it all these years and for some reason I just, I just love it so much it's, you know a plesiosaur uh, thing sitting on it and uh, I've still got it and it's my most cherished possession I don't really know why I just I love it so much uh, and when I was a kid I could never get it on my finger it was always too big and now I can't even get it on my finger because it's way too small um, so I've always been fascinated with Nessie uh, my grandparents on my mother's side are Scottish, uh, so they used to tell us about him or her. Uh, they didn't live anywhere near Loch Ness, but, you know, it's Scotland's mascot pretty much, so there was definitely stories about him. Uh, this episode's sort of breaking down how likely is it that the Loch Ness Monster can exist, and also what is it? You know, what What do people think it is and what is it probably? Because there's a lot of mistaken identity out there with everything, pretty much. And the Loch Ness Monster is no exception. And this is a uh, animal that has been sighted for hundreds of years. I, th I think the first sighting dated back to like 10th century or something like that, where a monk swam out and got attacked by this big creature and then another monk or religious guy priest came down and said a few prayers and it let him let the monk go or something something like that i don't know i don't really follow much of that because i mean it, it's it, that, that could stand for a lot of things being you know catholic and religious uh well i'm not but um you know they do sort of stretch things and there are lots of stories and things like that that can be metaphors for certain things so it could just be something like that um the Loch Ness is massive it's Loch just means and you gotta you gotta really do that with your with the ch at the end especially around Scottish people Loch oh Christ look at that monster in the Loch so you definitely got a at the end Loch uh, just means lake, pretty much. It, it's a, the Loch Ness is a lake, and it is the deepest freshwater lake in Scotland, I believe. It's very deep. It's like you know, seven hundred feet deep or something like that. It's crazy. And again, like I don't sit here and do research on exact numbers and read them out to you because that would just be boring as batshit, really. Um, so this is just what I'm. I can remember pretty much about the Loch. Uh, and it, its only connection to the ocean is via the River Ness, and that's a long, long river that eventually meets the ocean. So, to a certain degree, it does connect to the sea via this lake, uh, river, sorry, but the lake itself, Loch Ness, is completely freshwater. And we've all seen the famous surgeon's photo if you haven't seen it, just Google it and you'll see it. It's that very famous picture of the black and white long neck and head coming out of the water like a swan. 
And for years, it was like, this is the Loch Ness Monster. This, I believe, was the f- first photograph of it. It's called the surgeon's photograph because it was taken by a doctor, by a surgeon. Um, years later, it turned out it was a hoax. It was like a dinosaur toy's neck uh, retrofitted to a toy submarine. And it was just sort of floating in the water and he took a photo of it. And you can kind of tell, if you just look at the ripples coming out of it, like off of the neck, you can tell it's small. Because uh, the ripples are, they're huge. And if that was like in a lake, you know, they're almost tidal wave sized ripples coming off this tiny little thing. Uh, so unfortunately that was proven to be a hoax. Um, and there are sort of other... I mean, uh, I swear every week you see photos that people have taken or videos of the Loch Ness Monster. And it can range anywhere from like, you know, a speck in the water to maybe what looks like a hump uh, to videos of wakes moving across the the loch. Uh, but still no real conclusive good quality photos or video footage of Nessie. Which is a pretty common trait in cryptozoology. Um, For some reason, when you take a photo of a cryptid, uh, they have this special power to make it (laughs) real blurry. (laughs) Uh, But what is the Loch Ness Monster? What do they believe it is? And the biggest sort of uh, belief is that it's a prehistoric marine reptile like a plesiosaur now plesiosaurs weren't dinosaurs they were prehistoric marine reptiles but they were around during the time of the dinosaurs uh some of them even like really early even before uh so plesiosaurs were fish eating long-necked aquatic reptiles and they grew very large, over 40 feet. And that's about the size that a lot of people claim Nessie is, between 15 and 40 feet. And, you know, a lot of the sightings aren't... That isn't the neck coming out of the water, that infamous arching of the neck, swan-like neck coming out of the water. It's mainly humps, Uh and mostly grey in coloration that people are seeing. And this would uh, correlate with plesiosaurs because believe it or not, when you see the neck coming out of the water, just the head and neck arching out of the water, plesiosaurs couldn't move their necks like that. They would have to snap their neck. They couldn't move their neck upwards like a swan. It was impossible. What they would have to have done is been completely vertical in the water, their whole body, and then pop, pop their head out. Uh, but not, you see the hump sticking out of the water and then the neck swanning out. They couldn't do that. Looking at their bone structure and their vertebrae, they could not bend their necks like that. Um, and, I mean, do I believe the Loch Ness Monster exists? Um... I believe there's something in that lock that people are mistaking for a plesiosaur. Uh, but I don't think it is a plesiosaur. Uh, they've, there are sonar... that like They've 
like dragged Sonar over that lock so many times. And there are a few interesting uh, readings that have come back. And there's a really good one that looks like a close-up flipper uh, right in front of the camera. And looking at that, like I can't really determine what else that could be. It is a big flipper from a big animal, and it looks like the flipper that a plesiosaur would have. Uh, and it was, I mean, it's an older photo, older reading, but I, I can't really explain what that is and could be. Because the interesting thing with the lock is, uh, let's say a part of it's 700 feet deep, okay? There's like another 50 meters or more of loose sediment at the bottom of the lock. So all leaves and uh, soft mud and stuff that have settled at the bottom of the lock. So there's like another 50 or more feet of just soft silt laying at the bottom of that lock. So people people think that, you know, maybe an animal could be hiding in that silt and, and avoided sonar readings. Um, there's also underwater caves, uh, especially around the Urquhart uh, Castle. There's a lot of underwater caves, and a lot of the sightings come from Urquhart Castle of the Loch Ness Monster, and I don't think it's necessarily that's where these animals would be living. I think it's more... It's a tourist destination, so more people are there and more people will be looking at the lock. Um, but they recently, I think a year or two ago, they did, uh, scientists did DNA samples from the water in Loch Ness. And the results came back pretty interesting. Um, they could identify a lot of, you know, a lot of fish, a lot of, you know, alg alg algae and stuff like that, organisms that live in the lock. Uh, but they came back with um, something weird happened where they came back with eel DNA uh, and, and that kind of prompted people to believe that the Loch Ness Monster is some kind of undescribed giant eel. And eels do live in the loch. And, but, you know, you're not going to see eels coming up to the surface and popping their necks out, you know. But it could explain, perhaps, uh, serpentine sort of wakes on top of the loch. That could explain it. Um, but... You know, out of all, if it's if it's anything, you know, it's a pretty good explanation because we know eels exist. We know they're living animals. Um, they're not just. It's this isn't a prehistoric uh, relic that's been hiding in this lake for millions of years, sixty million years. You know, so that is a good explanation and. Again, we'll look at Occam's razor and the most sort of likely scenario is probably the correct one. Uh, but there's also a uh, bit discrepancies with this DNA sampling because that DNA samples don't really show what has come into the lake and left again. 
because we do know that it does connect to the ocean eventually via River Ness. And like if they did a DNA sample and something's come into that lock, hung around and then left, and then a couple of months later they do the DNA samples, they're not going to find that DNA anymore. Uh, so there are, you know, faults with it, but the eel one is interesting. It's an interesting theory. And one of a couple theories that I do hold credence to and I do think that it could be a thing. But um, here, I'm going to explain the reasons to you why I think the Loch Ness Monster is a few animals that are being mistaken and why a sort of leftover prehistoric marine reptile probably ain't living in that lock. And here's why. So Loch Ness is a glacial lake. Okay, so it was completely ice. 10,000 years ago, it was ice. There was no lake there. So the Loch Ness itself is only about 10,000 years old. Okay? The last of the dinosaurs died 65 million years ago. So how could there be a prehistoric marine reptile living in that lock when it's only very new, geologically speaking. Okay, so that's one sort of reason why it's kind of hard to believe. Uh, second is, okay, what if it's an animal that's swimming in from the ocean? Well, the River Ness is a very thin, narrow river, and at some point, some parts of that river only reach a couple of feet deep in parts. So if there is a 40-foot animal swimming in from the ocean, it will never make it over these tiny little shallow, narrow parts of the river. It'll get beached. Um, another theory is, and Jeremy Wade from Animal Planet's River Monsters thought it might be a Greenland shark swimming in from the uh, ocean and hanging around and then leaving again. Uh, I, I, I don't buy into this idea because Greenland sharks and sleeper sharks... Um, I, don't, I can't remember if you said Greenland shark or sleeper shark. They're both uh, very similar. Um, but I, there there is no real evidence that these sharks can survive in fresh water for extended periods of time most sharks can swim into fresh water for a very very short period of time and they often do to get parasites off them and things like that but they leave very quickly uh, except for bull sharks and euglyphus sharks that are euglyphus are like predominantly river sharks and bull sharks can basically live the, live their entire life in fresh water uh, due to their kidneys uh, storing salts and flushing out things. Uh, but sleeper sharks, we don't. there is no evidence that they can do that. Uh, and as well, I cannot see a one of these big sharks, and these sharks can reach well over 20 feet, 25 feet even, 8 meters, um, swimming, making that long journey down the River Ness for no real reason because these sharks eat 
large animals. Uh, there's reports of them eating polar bears that are swimming in, in the water. They found polar bear remains inside them. So they're eating decent-sized fish, big fish. And there isn't really big fish in Loch Ness. Uh, so there's no real reason for them to be making that massive journey, uh, somehow scraping over these uh, very shallow parts of the River Ness to get into the Loch Ness for basically no reason to, you know, maybe die in the fresh water of the loch. So I don't really buy into the sleeper shark or Greenland shark uh, hypothesis. Sorry, Jeremy. I am a huge fan, by the way. As if he's listening to this podcast. <laughs> you never know. Um, so, what is it? Are you serious? The bin man's here again? For fucks, Jesus Christ. What? Like, 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 this is a phenomenon. Every time I press record, the bin man comes. Oh, this is a this is insane. Jesus Christ. You probably won't be able to hear him because of this new mic. Um, but anyway, I'm going to pause it for a second and come back just in case because I don't want to do a whole big spiel about something and then find out that all you can hear is a stinky-ass garbage truck in the background. So I'll be back in a sec. All right, he's gone, I think. I still hear him up the street farting around in that big big ass truck um so where was i yeah the greenland sharks okay so what do i think the loch ness monster is and my theory is why is that truck coming back are you serious what the fuck's he doing unbelievable jesus christ anyway Fuck it. I'm just going to talk. Um, what do I think the Loch Ness Monster is? Actually, this is a very important part of the podcast. And we've got this bastard in the background. Just how dare he do his job. <laughs> the audacity. <laughs> the audacity emptying our garbage. How dare he. <laughs> um, he could be a bit more polite and have a quieter truck. That's all I'm saying, you know. But, you know, you can't win them all. Can't win them all. Come on, we pay enough rates in this street to bloody put some grease on that fucking truck. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, so... Oh, no, nah, this is insane. Alright, you hear that? He's gone past. I swear they just lurk out the front of my house waiting for me to do a podcast. Okay, so this uh, theory of mine, and this is something that did not come up in the DNA readings uh, that were done in that lock, and the reason is, is because it doesn't happen that often. And, see, the reason why also it could not be a plesiosaur is because, I'm, I'm just going to go back to this right now, um, plesiosaurs are marine reptiles as well, so they're salt water, or they were salt water, so, they're in a freshwater lake. That's a bit of a discrepancy right there. And yeah, they could have evolved into freshwater and stuff like that. But for you to have a big pop, like a breeding population for them to be there that long, there needs to be multiple animals, you know, like 50 of them. And also, they're air breathers. They breathe air. They'll come up just like a whale would or a turtle and breathe air. You'd be seeing them 
all the time coming up for air. So, please, you saw, no, I just don't think it is, sorry. But what I do think it is, I think they're seals. Okay, now hear me out here, because people like I didn't know there were seals in Loch Ness. And seals can live for in, in fresh water for a while, absolutely. In fact, there's a lake in Russia, I think it is. I think it's Russia. And it's a landlocked lake, and it holds the only species... It's called like the Bake Lake or something. Holds the only species of freshwater seal. Uh, and they live exclusively in that freshwater lake. Um, but seals can absolutely make that journey up the River Ness, because they can scuffle across land quite efficiently. They're actually quite quick on land. Surprisingly quick. And also, there are photographs. It is a known fact that there have been seals in Loch Ness. And even crazier, right? In 1914, there was massive floods in the loch. And porpoises which is a cetacean like a dolphin, a bit different to a dolphin because their teeth uh, are blunt and not conical like a dolphin's. Um, yeah, they made their way into the loch from the Moray Firth along River Ness and then into Loch Ness. And they stayed in there for a few days. It was quite a spectacle. People came down to see uh, porpoises in Loch Ness. How insane is that? That's crazy. It's, it's really cool. It's like, that's like uh, porpoises jumping around in Lake Michigan, you know, something like that. Um, so that happened, but that was just a freak occurrence because of those floods. But seals, uh, and the statistics show that over the last 50, over a span of 15 years, eight seals enter the lock. Okay. So that kind of averages nearly one seal every two years shows up in that lock. And a little while, quite a while ago, a and they're, they're grey seals, by the way. Um, common, very common seals. Um, a few, like quite a few years ago, one showed up in the lock and stayed in that lock for four months. Fishermen would chuck at fish, they would see it quite regularly. And there are videos and photos of distinct seals in the lock. Now, if you ever see seal, and like not just one at a time, there's a photo of like three of them playing around in that lock. And if you see these photos and videos, all you see is grey humps rolling around in the lock. And now, if you're a, a visitor um, or someone that's not ultra familiar with the lock, you would, you wouldn't, the first thing to come in your mind isn't that's a seal because seals aren't really a common occurrence. Like I said, one every two years. So you see this gray thing rolling around, big body rolling around, especially three of them, which will make it look like serpentine, make it look like multiple humps in the water, undulating through the water. You would go, that's a Loch Ness monster. Because there's nothing of that size that is lives in that lock for long periods of time. 
Um, and the grey humps match what witnesses see. Uh, so the, it's it's kind of a no-brainer to me that, that that's what these people are seeing. And, and also with the eel theory, let's say sometimes eels come up to the surface and some freshwater eels can get really big, you know, t t 10 feet long uh, in certain countries. Um, but sort of the European eels are much smaller unless they're conga eels, which get huge. Uh, but I don't think there'll be conga eels living in the loch, but let's just say there's an undescribed species of larger eel, even, let's say, a metre long, three feet. You see that come to the surface and then sort of scoot across the surface and go back down, you'll be like, wow, that's a sea serpent, uh, especially when it's leaving wake behind it and things. It gives it the appearance of being much larger. Um, so that's why I said I think the Loch Ness Monster is a combination of a few animals. I think it's uh, people are sighting seals every now and again um, and going that's a Loch Ness Monster and also maybe eels as well um, but do I think it's a pleasy sword? No, there's just so many things against that theory uh, that it just when you look at all of them it's basically and I never say anything's completely impossible but it's as close as impossible as you can get and I'm, I'm not, like, I know in, in all my episodes, it's sort of me debunking things. Um, but there are cryptids that I do think uh, probably exist more than they probably don't exist, if you know what I mean. And I will do episodes on them, on which cryptids I actually do believe exist. Uh, but the Loch Ness Monster, I'm afraid, exists, but not in plesiosaur form it is there is no prehistoric marine reptile living in that loch and also there's not no big enough food for them to sustain a population of animals of 40 feet they would have to eat you know you're looking at 100 or more kilos of fish a day and that's just for one imagine a population people would be seeing more of them you'll be seeing heads popping up left right and center taking gulps of air you know, so I think that they are grey seals that are being mistaken for a prehistoric marine reptile. Sorry, but again, as much as I would love for there to be a plesiosaur living in that lake, unfortunately, it, it just ain't gonna happen. Which sucks. It would be cool. It would be cool. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I've got to say about the Loch Ness Monster. Um, I always want to visit that loch. Just, just, I mean, because I know there's no plesiosaur living in there, but there's still that mystique and mystery of what, what if there actually, what if there is? <laughs> and it's a deep ass lake, you know, it's such a medieval looking loch. I went to Scotland, but, um, Ness, like the River Ness and Loch Ness is, it's pretty rural. It's kind of out of the way of everything. So we didn't. Didn't get to make it there, unfortunately. Um, so instead, I'll just watch Loch Ness, uh, the movie, with um, John Becker, slash Ted Danson. Um, he pretty much plays John Becker in the movie. <laughs> just like a grumpy dude that is stingy with his money. 
it's actually a cool movie. It's good. Good nostalgia. So watch it if you want to. It's good. Okay, guys, have a good weekend. I was going to do it, like, I'll tell you the truth. I was going to do this podcast earlier on in the week, but we're having a full-blown heat wave here. It's been over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, you know, nearly 40 degrees Celsius every damn day, and my office has no air conditioning up upstairs. we got aircon in the main room downstairs and stuff, but this room just doesn't cool down. So I'd be sitting here sweating my balls off talking to you, and... You know what the ironic thing is? I decided to do it today, and it's the hottest day that we've had in like three or four weeks. It's 41 degrees Celsius. So I don't know what that is, like 120 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, which was a bad idea. But I got it done. You know, I, I trooped. What's it called? Soldiered on. <laughs> Every time I do these podcasts, I try to do these metaphors and stuff, and I end up full-blown ruining them. Anyway, have a awesome weekend, everyone, and I'm going to do another episode Monday or Tuesday. Oh, no, Monday I'm going to the opening of the museum in the Perth, the West Australian Museum. They spent like two years renovating this thing, and I loved the museum, how it was. It was really cool. It was old school, you know, uh, mahogany uh, staircases and just dusty-ass taxidermied faded animals. Um, but it was awesome. It looked the same as since I used to go as a kid. It's looked the same. And I, that's what I loved about it. So I just hope they haven't modernized it too much and ruined it. Because if you go to the Natural History Museum in London, um, I went twice when I was in London because I loved it so much. It, it's perfect. That's how you want a museum to look. And the West Australian Museum uh, was like a very smaller version yeah very same old school gothic like buildings wood dust just got that smell of old in it you know and that's what i loved about it so we're going it it just reopened uh a month or so ago so i'm going to go have a look check it out um on monday so i'll get a episode out on tuesday uh i don't know what subject I'll do it on, but I'm tossing up between two, so between a couple, so you shall find out on the day. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I hope you don't think of me as too much of a skeptic, but look at me as more of a realist and what makes sense scientifically and to me. Okay, all right, have a good weekend, everyone. Take care. Ta ta.